everybody, it's Chris. And uh, what I've discovered in this past week is that groveling, um, debasing oneself before a large audience is a legitimate way to get things done. If you recall last episode, before we got into things, I made a uh, pathetic plea for someone to please call me, <laughs> and, uh, and somebody did. So um, you'll have to hang on till the end for that. But uh, I greatly appreciate it, and I hope more of you uh, follow suit. Um, uh, so yeah, hang on to the end, and we have a, a, a caller, and I'll address it. It wasn't exactly a, a question. It was just some comments, but I'm going to address those comments at the end. And um, I hope you enjoy this episode. We um, got to talk to Mishka Shubali uh, from, uh, well, I was going to say The Road, but he's, he's overseas. I think I probably said The Road in the episode. Um, he's in London on tour, and um, it was just a great talk. Um, I, I was familiar with Mishka, but had never um, had the pleasure of, of talking to him or interacting with him, and it was uh, it was just a good time, good talk, and I hope you enjoy it. And do stick around to the end and call 507-556-7271. Say something, um, and uh, you may be on the next pod. Uh, and subscribe to uh, The Recovery Revolutionary at the recoveryrevolution.online. Thanks, bye. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. Hello? Mishka. Mishka. Hey. hey. How are you? So it's Chris back with Jeff. How's it going, Mishka? What's up, boys? How are you? Really We're good. doing great. Uh, and um, thanks for joining us uh, from afar. Mishka's in London on tour. Nice. And um, Are you in a hotel room right now? Oh, hell no. Oh. He's <laughs> hanging out at a hot coffee shop, or where are you at? I, uh, I have an old buddy that I used to uh, that I used to bartend with a million years ago and he has a uh, he has a little crash pad in, nice uh, that's fantastic what part of the, town the bad part yeah what uh, <laughs> South London South London you got it that's you got cool. it I've seen uh, I've seen two fights since I've been here oh nice <laughs> yeah. awesome. what's your nearest tube stop it's uh, elephant and castle yeah, I was just gonna say elephant and castle right there man that's yeah. funny. I used to live up up in Kilburn, which is kind of northwest London. Okay. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that's fun. All right. Well, good. We I can kind of see where you're at, South London, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, and you you just mentioned you you were a bartender, and just before we get to that, yeah. maybe you can settle something for it. What, what what's your your drink of choice now in sobriety? Like what? I, I was just disparaging uh, Saint Croix water, Saint Croix. <laughs> Because I need a bit more, still bite in my non-alcoholic drink. This is this is funny. We were just talking about this not too long ago because I was touring with uh, Star Anna, who's also sober. Oh, fantastic! And every sober alcoholic I know is such a snob about bubbly water. Right. It's like you know we are. Oh, don't 
don't even come at me with that shit. Are you are you kidding? Get out of here. <laughs> right. you know, I, uh, the but I have a weird confession to make. Yeah. The uh, Saint Croix makes a coconut flavored yeah. seltzer, okay. yeah. which just sounds like such a deal breaker. Yeah. Um, and you know, the first sip, I was like, oh, this tastes like uh, sunscreen. Right. You just but, got on uh, spring break. It's Daytona Beach. I'm licking yeah. a girl. <laughs> Yeah, but but now I love it, and it's 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 absolutely indefensible. And so I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hey, tough guy, want a coconut water? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like a you know, just give give me a bubbly water with a shot of lotion in it. Well, I may have to come around. I have yet to even try it because I'm I'm certain that it won't have the the heft that that. Yeah, you need a little more heft um, in your in my non-alcoholic. Water, yeah, um, but well, most of those flavored uh, sparkling waters, it just tastes like they flavored it with perfume. That's exactly you know, what I've been saying. Yeah. Like they it, took, it, it, yeah. it tastes like a scratch and sniff sticker right. from my youth, right. <laughs> like the suggestion of the flavor. So, my yeah. fl- if you haven't tried it though, I, I, I'm the I'm I shout from the rooftops the, the beauty of the thing called Q Ginger Beer, it, and uh, believe me, they're not a sponsor, but, but they're gonna be after it, this podcast. Right. <laughs> it's amazing, though. You want something with bite. Anyway, I want to say welcome to Mishka. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us from uh, the road. Mm-hmm. Um, Where are you playing over there? Oh, man, I'm playing everywhere. I, uh, I'm in Bristol tomorrow night. Uh, Bristol, Brighton, Manchester, Sheffield, awesome. uh, Guildford, wow. uh, a couple shows in London. Um, yeah, it should be a good trip. That's awesome. And so disclosure from, from me, I mean, I've known of you and known you and, you know, cause in the recovery circles, you know, people tend to know who's who and, and you're out there and you, you, uh, I think you had a, a guest post or, or you were on, um, uh, the sobriety collective and, uh, Laura loves you. And I, I've, there's so many people to familiarize oneself with, and I'm, I'm making excuses that um, I hadn't familiarized <laughs> myself with you entirely. Yeah. I think partly some of it's a resentment. I'm like, all right, dreamboat guy, singer songwriter, writes a book. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. um, what an asshole! What an asshole! Yeah. Um, but uh, no, and we were listening to your music, and I'll uh, be honest with you, it was not what I expected. And it's fucking, it's tr- fucking great. amazing stuff, dude. Um, <laughs> it's so good. And, uh, Jeff, who, who Jeff yeah, knows. So I was like, I love bloodshot records and alt country and I love the silver Jews. And I was just listening to your stuff like, Oh, it's so good. And it's like dark and you know, just where you go in these, in, in your music is just awesome. Like just where you dwell, I guess your world of songwriting. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Well, first off, thank you guys so much. And, uh, I'm glad we're starting with, with the music because it's, um, not everybody in the sobriety community sort of like gets it right. or is is cool with the fact that you know I mean all you know let's be blunt about it all these songs are in praise of my old love yeah. and oblivion and, uh, totally. and just you know death and darkness mm-hmm. and destruction mm-hmm. and uh, you know and all that shit. Um, but I think um, writing those songs and my music is uh, now it's an integral part of how I stay sober. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I woke up this morning jet lagged and sick. And my first thought was, thank fucking God I'm not hungover too. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. because m- morning is already a hangover on its own, even without 
a hangover. No yeah. shit. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I and it's and it's funny, you know. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't be out on the I've I've been out on the road since April first. You know, I I couldn't be out on the road for what forty five or fifty days now um, if I was still drinking. Mm-hmm. I just I couldn't do it. Uh, you know, I was falling apart. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's ironic that I had to get sober in order for the record uh, about you know, my love affair with alcoholism to come out yeah. and then to be able to tour it. Yeah. But I try, you know, I try and be totally blunt with people. But right. you know, I mean, like they see me drinking a big, you know, thing of seltzer up there. And I'm like, yeah, this is not, you know, this is not vodka. This is seltzer. <laughs> sure. Here's why, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you get MVP every night for 17 years, they yeah. let you retire early. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's fine. And, and were you, did you, were you, we always like try to figure out if people, could practice their art and do songwriting while they were drinking or did this all come to you after you got sober? Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because I, um, I wrote a lot of songs when I was drinking, but it was impossible for me to, to write, you know, stories or, I mean, to write writing, to write, you know, any kind of like personal narrative or memoir or anything like that. Um, you know, I had a whiteboard with, uh, a hundred pages of memoir on it on my job list for about three years and like just nothing happened, you know? And then since then when I quit drinking, I was like, Oh, well, you know, that's that part of the writing part of my life is done. And I will just be the guy working off the sober guy working off Craigslist and bartending. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, you know, my, my writing really sprang to life. I mean, in the last five years, I've basically written three books worth of material. That's amazing. Um, but I haven't written a lot of songs and I was, I was like, Oh, I just, I, when I got sober, that part of my brain shut off and it, and that sucks, but also who cares? I'm sober. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, there's a sacrifice that comes with every, you know, with, with every step forward, there's, there's a, you know, a small price to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, you know, I, I left, I moved out of New York and I was, I've been living in a camper in my sister's backyard in California, awesome. uh, with, uh, with no TV, no friends, no wireless. Oh, and, well, it sounded it is, awesome for a minute. A hermetic <laughs> existence. No, no, it's perfect. <laughs> right. No, my, uh, my wobbly fortress of solitude right. recreates the conditions <laughs> I was in when I was like 15, when I was writing tons of songs. Right. So I've been, uh, I've been writing again. I just had to go back to being a lonely teenager. And, oh my God. Uh, you know, so this, I've, I've been writing new songs. That's cool. So most of these songs are old, older songs that you've then recorded in sobriety. Uh, yeah, I actually, I started my last record cowards path. I started recording in like 2007, 2008. And, uh, you know, in music, people fetishize authenticity, mm-hmm. and uh, I was drinking so hard that I couldn't finish the record that was about drinking. <laughs> wow! Yeah. And uh, and there's and a then, song right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and then it sat for almost four years, um, and then because I didn't know my relation, my relationship with it, if it was going to just unravel me. Um, but then finally I was like, you know, fuck it. These are my songs. These are my stories. I own them. They don't own me. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, it's not going to make me backslide. And it hasn't, yeah. you know, um, can, can we back up and get at least a bit of the story that got you to this point? Like got you to recovery? Why are you a person in recovery? What was the, the 
the usage and then what what was the there's this thing called alcohol right (laughs) and it's it's really really great and really terrible explain it to me like i'm uh, drunk (laughs) (laughs) i um i mean i think i started drinking in earnest when i was maybe 13 and uh and you're on the east coast um, in new york uh i was in new hampshire at this time okay and uh Hello, hello. How about uh, how about now? Can you guys hear me? Okay? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, I started drinking in earnest when I was probably thirteen. I was living in New Hampshire at the time, and uh, I, man, I loved it the instant I discovered it. I was just like, oh, this is you know. I mean, as as a child, most of your experience of humanity, I think, comes through media, through hmm. through TV and uh, and movies and books. And it seemed like everybody um, in my head knew who they were going to be or what they were going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, as a child, you know, if you're reading those Richard Scary books, it's mm-hmm. you know Bob the Baker and you know, Larry, <laughs> right. Larry the right, Electrician. Right, 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 yeah. And I, I had no idea what I was going to be. Yeah. And then as soon as I drank, I was like, "This is what I'm going to be. Wow. I, I'm just, I'm gonna just going to be, be drunk. Wow, all the time. Wow. And uh, and so I. Um, I guess when I was 17, uh, when I was 17 is when I first recognized that I, you know, that I really had a problem. Um, I was, uh, you know, riding a bus back from school and I was in cr- just crippled with a hangover. Mm. And I started thinking about the like Fleischmann's whiskey in the plastic bottle in wow. my, uh, in my basement and my mouth started watering wow. and I was like, I feel awesome? so terrible right now, but I'm still almost sexually aroused at the thought of alcohol. <laughs> Perhaps this is unusual, yeah. you know, or, uh, you know, maybe this is a problem. Um, and then in my early twenties, I, you know, I saw friends, uh, struggling to quit and just, you know, sort of vacillating back and forth. And I, I was like, this is a new hell of trying to quit and failing and trying to quit and failing. And I, I, you know, for better and for worse, I made up my mind. I said, I'm, I, I'll take a break if I have to, but I will, I will, I'm never going to say I quit forever until I'm ready to quit forever. And that didn't happen until I was 32. So you like, Um, I, I, I love that there's moments where people, and I've known people, they've ultimately died, but like friends, brothers or whatever where they just they decide like i'm i'm going to ride this out i can't i get it i'm an alcoholic right i'm a drinker but i'm going for it i'm not gonna even quitting is not an option it's just bizarre and i get it you know i get like that like charlie sheen to me is that kind of guy who just like i'm gonna go for it yeah. I, right? can't, I can't believe he's still alive. No, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, there seems to be no justice in the world. Yeah. Well, but, t- uh, tiger blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, um, it, you know, from, from, my, from this juncture now, now that I am sober and that I have been sober for a while, I can, you know, sort of look back and say that I think I made the right decision mm-hmm. to, to, to just keep drinking. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> I, I know so many, you know, I, I know a lot of people who have reached out to me now, um, you know, now that I'm sort of a, a, a 
a sober public figure sure. and you know, they're 22 and they want to quit drinking. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I, shit, you have, you still have so much horrible stuff to go through before, <laughs> before you're really ready. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when did you guys get sober? Yeah. Uh, I planned it, uh, in my 29th end of my 29th year to do it on before I was 30. So I, I did it, uh, at the very tail end of 29. Yeah. So, so 29 and 364 Basically, days. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. I I was a giant pussy and got sober at 24. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's, that's funny. It's funny. I My whole family, I watched an entire three generations of alcoholism, you know? I was like, oh, yeah, this is not going to work for me. Did you have that context of any yeah, did you, familial? Family? Anyone in your family? I, let me let me say for the record that if if you got sober at 24 and it stuck, you're not a puss. Yeah, no, right, I, no, I, no. you're incredibly strong. <laughs> Let's just you know, yeah. I, I know you're being funny, but uh, yeah. um, I uh, and I totally admire that. And I and you know, I mean, I wish that I I, I was a child when I was 24, though. I mean, I, um, no, Thank my uh, three of my grandparents died of alcoholism, wow. but uh, so it was around, but they died before. I had any exposure to it or any, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, um, they died young enough and, uh, you know, I've, I've never, um, you know, I've seen my mother have like one too many margaritas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she, she laughs longer than is maybe appropriate, but I've ne <laughs> never, never seen my, um, I actually like that. Yeah. No, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, um, but I've never, you know, I've never seen my father drunk and, uh, wow. you know, I mean, as, as a, as a fairly sheltered kid, I just, um, you know, I, I thought my dad was a pussy, mm. um, because he was intelligent and mm. reserved and, um, you know, and I, I was like, you know, and I was angry at him, um, you know, for, you know, for not being a great father, but also angry at him just for existing. And, wow. uh, and I think that, that, um, you know, I chose to define myself in opposition to him. Mm -hmm. So at, at every turn where he was responsible and adult and reserved, I was like, I will be fucking chaos, wow. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I was, yeah. I was, yeah, it just, yeah, that's crazy. Um, you know, what's interesting when Jeff was talking about getting sober, and I, don't, I this yeah. has been on the podcast before, Jeff. When I met Jeff, he was in the midst of doing what he then called, and others I've heard call it this, marijuana maintenance. Oh, yeah. Um, I, tr I tried a marijuana maintenance a couple of years. Yeah. You had a good go. Yeah. And I, I, as somebody, just my story, the podcast listeners are tired of hearing it, but uh, I, for a variety of reasons, most mostly because of my social anxiety and extreme introversion, um, got sober entirely outside of the rooms. Um, and I, I don't know what your story is there. And I like to talk about that, but so I didn't really have any perspective. And for, for me also growing up where marijuana was just a normal part of growing up, um, Jeff doing marijuana maintenance didn't phase me. Um, and, uh, the reason I bring that, <laughs> that up is because when I, I, uh, I listen to Doug loves movies a lot. Are you familiar with that podcast? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And so Jeff Tate's on there a lot. And yeah. they always bring a gift for the bag. In one episode, he says, and I brought uh, my friend Mishka's new CD. And yeah. I thought, and that's when I thought, this guy Mishka must be all right. Because, I mean, Jeff's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I, I, I love Jeff. Um, and Jeff uh, is awesome. 
and uh, and I th- but those guys, <laughs> if you're friends with them, they smoke a lot of weed. Um, and I don't know if this is fair or not. Uh, do you have? Do you have? I mean, I don't have any issue with other people doing their thing, right? Um, in recovery, we're not about prohibition, right? Right. Um, but uh, so, I mean, what's your experience in living in LA? I mean, is it is it a more of a challenge being a sober person for you in LA? You think than it might be elsewhere? Well, I'm I'm really glad we're talking about this. I um, I I got into a protracted conversation about this with somebody, yeah. um, you know, the other night. Um, I was actually um, I I was actually hanging out with uh, Jeff Tate at Doug Stanhope's uh, Super Bowl party. Um. And I don't know if you know anything about Doug Stanhope, but he is yeah. not sober. Right. No, I know. Stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, for, you know, for a, a large part of that Super Bowl party, we were just surrounded by uh, adults who were crawling drunk. Yeah. And uh, the um, I and I was paid a great compliment uh, several times over the course of that weekend where people said, oh, man, I totally forgot that you don't drink, mm. which is. Um, where I've wanted to get to in my sobriety, which is, um, you know, not just where you're not white knuckling it, but where you can relax enough to act stupid enough that people think you're two drinks deep without being two drinks deep, you know, that I was, you know, really able to relax. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I mean this, um, you know, the, the, you know, the issue of marijuana or, you know, I've been an outspoken advocate for, uh, for psilocybin mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and some other hallucinogens. Um, I, I've never gone to AA. I never okay. went to rehab. Interesting. I, um, I, you know, so I understand my sobriety to be my own creation. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, um, and I don't, um, you know, I don't want to, I'm careful not to use this as a cop out that, that like, oh, I, you know, I create. You know, I, I made up this game so I can make all the rules. Right. Um, but but there is an element of that. And and part of it is because I know um, from trial and error what what works for me and what doesn't. Sure. Um, and I think that, um, you know, 10 years or 20 years ago, um, you know, we really saw sobriety as a black and white thing, mm-hmm. you know, particularly for people who are veterans of the rooms. You know, mm-hmm. you're not sober unless you're. Um, abstaining from all drugs and alcohol and going to meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what sober meant for those people in that crew. And I think in the same way that now we can see gender and sexuality on a spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, and not in a a binary system that it's the same thing with sobriety, man. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, myself, um, I smoke pot probably three times a year, Mm -hmm. uh, just to remind myself that I don't smoke pot. <laughs> I, I, I wake up with like, you know, crumbs in my tummy hair and I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, but being on the road is, you know, I've been, I've been in more bars in the mm-hmm. last month and a half than any drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I've been in a different dive bar just about every night. Yep. And I encounter tons of people who are like, um, oh, I have a lot of respect for, you know, for what you're doing. Um, I used to be a total drunk and now I just smoke weed. Or I used to be a junkie and now I just drink. Mm-hmm. Those people count. 
mm-hmm. and their stories count. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I don't think, um, you know, in the case of like a junkie who, who just drinks, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I would call that person sober, right. but they're definitely in recovery. Um, you know, if, if you go from injecting heroin to, you know, drinking three nights a week, mm-hmm. um, that, that deserves recognition. And that's, you know, and that's a, a story of success and, um, progress. Exactly. Um, well, and it's, it's part of, I mean, that, that whole, it's part of the, the harm reduction exactly. sort of notion. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and also, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine in California and, uh, she said, oh, well, you know, I don't know if you want to hang out with me now cause I'm not sober. And mm-hmm. I was like, are you fucking drinking again? She was like, no, no, no. I mean, I, you know, I smoke weed with my boyfriend. And, and then I was like, well, then don't describe yourself as not sober mm-hmm. because in my mind, then that opens up a, a door for her to start drinking again. Right, if she already imagines herself to, to mm-hmm. not be sober. Um, I, and so in my mind, you know, I think we need to draw as a pure alcoholic, you mm-hmm. know, al- alcohol was my, my first worst and best drug. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I only ever really used cocaine so I could drink more. Um, I, I, you know, for me, I need to draw a hard line between alcohol and other substances. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I'll smoke pot a couple of times a year, but I I won't drink kombucha. Interesting. Because, because, you know, like the couple of times I've tried it, I'm like, I feel, I feel good. The last time I feel this good was when I was, oh yeah when I was drinking yeah, and like I can feel that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, uh, I don't eat foods that have alcohol. Right. You know, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm a real Martinet about alcohol and, uh, and other shit, you know, less so. I mean, I've gotten in protracted arguments with people about mushrooms, but you know, in practice, how many mushroom addicts do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I was so strung out on the shrooms. I couldn't get off them. Um, or like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what your guys' experience has been with mushrooms, but like, yeah. when was the last time you ate mushrooms and then woke up the next morning and was like, oh man, I need some more of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so I, true. I've, every morning when, I, when I've done mushrooms, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, I, fuck, get that away from me. I'm yeah. not mm-hmm. never doing that again. Yeah. You know, it takes me like six or eight months before I'm able to think about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So, so how did you get sober then? I mean, like if you didn't, if you didn't go to the rooms, you didn't go to rehab. What was the moment where you're like, I got to stop this. And then you did it. I, um, I had an epiphany that I was less afraid of dying than I was of continuing to live. Less afraid of dying. Yeah. Wow. Continuing to live the way you were living. Yeah. Like I would rather be dead than continuing to feel the way I feel. Yes. Well, that's fucking powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, I also, uh, people have been telling me since I was a kid, oh, alcohol is going to kill you. And at 32, I was like, you're fucking wrong. It, it's taking forever. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, this is the worst poison I've ever tried. And you're, tr- you know? uh, yeah. So your and, last couple of years were just miserable or you're just, you're just yeah, in it. It's dark, yeah. low. Yeah. It was just degraded. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. You know, and um, and I realized that and I and I also and I had this sort of other epiphany that alcohol would never kill me. 
that it would ju- that my life would just get smaller and smaller and smaller and it would just atrophy more and more and mm. more until um you know until finally like i you know i I wouldn't even die. I would just cease to exist. Yeah. I would just, you know, mm-hmm. just be, you know, like a tired, defeated, hunched old dry man. husk of a, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I made a promise to my mother when I was a kid that I would never commit suicide and I love my mother and mm. I keep my promises. Mm-hmm. So that was, that, that, there's, yeah, that was a consideration. I, I mean, you get there, right. And you're like, okay, so that's not an option. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, there were definitely, there were mornings when I woke up and I was like, fuck, I woke up again. Um, and, uh, and so I, I said, I've just, I've got to stop this and never look back and I've got to try and build myself a life worth living. And, uh, so I was actually, it's funny. I was actually, I was on tour with my band at the time in England, Mm. which may may be the greatest country to drink in, in the world. And, uh, by the, you know, when after uh, 10 days or two weeks here, we were, you know, flying back on the plane, I was like, just fucking done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came back and just you know, like locked myself in my room and I, you know, sweated it out mm-hmm. for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. and I, then I was just I was like, this is it. I, you know, I'm fucking done. And mm-hmm. it was terrifying. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's like losing your best friend. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's fine. I, I mean, I tell a story. I had a similar God. epiphany and, and path to it um and yeah i mean the i think the last time i cr- cried sobbed uncontrollably was uh the week before i quit and i was like telling my parents that it felt like i was killing my best friend um yeah so. i man i miss i gotta say i miss those drunken weep fest <laughs> right well there's there is something sort of uh i don't know cleansing because- yeah, yeah I mean, I uh, uh, that's you know that's you know all right. I'll say it. That is one of the few wonderful things about alcohol mm. is that it can make a grown ass man weep like yeah. a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there have be- definitely been times where I just wanted to throw myself on the floor and mm-hmm. weep. Yeah, and uh, and I and I can't. Yeah, it doesn't um, happen. Yeah. So so, but there there is a, a incredible awareness. To write the music that you've written and to sing the songs that you've sung, I, th- I feel like you must have had some crazy perspective or ability to watch all this from almost the third person, you know, as you're in it, which I don't think, I don't remember that when I was in it. Self-awareness. Drink, yeah, yeah, just this weird way to tell stories. Have you have you always had that ability? And it, obviously you've you channeled that while you were drinking to really get at these moments, right, of just shame and terror and taking hostages of women i mean it's it's bang on i mean all the stuff is just spot on uh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> well we've all done it we're like oh god i've been there man like so many times i i guess that's a compliment yeah it is a compliment. i um no i i uh but there's not I mean, that many people that write about that well or just really capture that right just yeah, I've, I've always, um, I mean, I've always been a narrative junkie, yeah. you know, since I was a little kid, you know, w- whether it was, you know, sort of jokes or stories or narrative and songs or, um, you know, I was always a huge reader. So I think that breeds self-awareness. And then, um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, th- I had good friends and I had smart friends and through them, um, I was, you know, 
when they were informing me like you're a fucking nightmare to live with Hmm. but sometimes it's funny (laughs) (laughs) and 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 then i was like oh oh okay you know so sort of seeing their reactions to um you know to to the stories that i came home with or um you know and just their reactions to to the shit that i'd been in you know where they were uh, at at once uh you know sort of angry disappointed and very much entertained um i was able to see both that um well to see that the tragedy and comedy really mm-hmm. blur together mm-hmm. totally yeah and um you know, I mean, it, it's it's just, you know, it's just a difference of perspective. You know, um, there's this great video on YouTube and it's like this dad waiting to pick his kids up and he's accidentally parked right in front of like an icy patch. And he takes out his phone and he just films child after child <laughs> after child <laughs> falling on the ice. And it's the fucking funniest thing you've ever seen. But <laughs> if you've ever fallen on the ice... Right you know that that is a tragedy yeah. on par with like, yeah. uh, you know, typhoons mm. and, uh, you know, right. just the, the worst things that have befallen humanity. Um, and it's just, it's all perspective, you know? So I, I think, uh, through storytelling and, um, you know, through having some good ball busting friends, I was able to see myself as a character in a larger narrative and yeah. not just, um, not just be like, ah, oh, the fucking walls are closing in on me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, also, I mean, you, you get to a point where I, what, one of the criticisms, I, one of the best criticisms I read about my book was, you know, oh, it seems like just a litany of hard times. And it's mm-hmm. like, motherfucker, I left a lot of hard times out there. It was a litany of hard times. <laughs> right. It was just like, you know, it was like, you know, that point where, you know, the 10th round of a fight where a boxer is up against the ropes mm-hmm. and the only thing that's holding him upright mm-hmm. is his opponent punching him in the face. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, that. when you get to, um, you know, if you get a parking ticket one day, it sucks and you get angry. If you get two parking tickets in one day, you get crazy angry. If you get four parking tickets in a day, by the fourth one, you're just fucking laughing. At yeah, it. yeah. Because there's, there, it's, it's like, like you've expended all your right. sadness, all your grief, all your anger. You're, you know, questioning God. You know, like, um, and then by the fourth parking ticket, you're like, this is just fucking hilarious. What? No, it's moved and, into you know, absurdity. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's no longer pathos and it's right. bathos. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I quickly got there <laughs> with so my, funny. with my drinking. So. You know? Well, it you know, there's the classic hero's journey that every screenwriter learns how to tell, and and most heroes go through one one or two moments of death, and then they come out of it with this wisdom. But what's great about people in you know our stories is, mm. w- whenever you hear a story, you think like, oh, this is it. This is the part where they're going to quit drinking. And we've had so many guests on. <laughs> right. We're like, okay, this is the one where they're done. They're telling this horrible story, right. but they're not. They keep going out again. They it is a litany of just. <laughs> Low bottoms, low bottoms, low bottoms. My, uh, and it's fucking crazy. I don't think people a, that uh, don't know that narrative get it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, only, we only, we're the ones that get that part. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, the writer Tim Kreider, uh, told me once, uh, what, after he was done shaking his head at me, he said, uh, Mishka, you're the only person I know who goes through life-changing experience after life-changing experience and you never fucking change that's hilarious <laughs> and I, I i was so proud i was like, right. like thank you that is so sweet and he was like no that's not a good thing you know, like fucking, 
That is so sweet. Out, Aww. <laughs> That's uh, funny. That is funny. And that, that is how powerful the disease is, right? For most people, nor normies, they could go through one or two of these things and they'd get it. And we just kept beating ourselves up and doing this again. So is the tell us about the books. You've have you have three books worth of material. You have one book out. You've written one, right? Yeah, I have I um, swear I'll I make it up to you. Right? I, I've published uh, six Kindle singles through Amazon. Okay. Okay. Um, which are sort of, you know, shorts. And that's right. how I got, first got any recognition as a writer and got any sort of traction in the marketplace. And then, uh, yeah, I swear I'll make it up to you as my first hardcover memoir. And it's, um, it's, you know, um, it's the story of how I, you know, not just how I drank or what I drank, but mm. why I drank. Right. And, and then how I got my shit together you know, how I finally figured it out and, um, you know, the steps that I took to try and get better. Um, you know, when I was, I, I think there's a temptation, uh, for us to apply this sort of after school special model to, to, uh, to alcoholics and mm -hmm. addicts, mm -hmm. you know, where we go back, um, or a Dr. Phil model, you know, of like identifying a central trauma that then triggered their mm -hmm. addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, that's largely false. Yeah. Um, I, I, I rarely think it's that simple. Um, however, um, when I was 15 and already, you know, enamored with alcohol, uh, there was a shooting at my school. One of my classmates got a semi-automatic rifle mm. and shot six people, oh, uh, ki you know, killed a teacher of ours, killed a, a friend of ours. And, uh, I, you know, and he had enough ammunition to kill all of us. Wow. And, uh, so I stayed up that whole night sort of in terror mm. and then went home and found out that my parents were getting a divorce. Oh, Jesus. Um, so if, I mean, I need to preface this by saying I, I had a shitty attitude before that happened. Yeah. But after that happened, it, you know, when you feel like God is persecuting you and then stuff like that happens, it just, you just get, you just go deeper into it. It yeah, just gets darker. Yeah. It's confirmation. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, in the process of my parents divorcing, we lost the house to the bank mm. and that just made me, you know, angry at, uh, you know, God, America, banks, mm -hmm. capitalism, money, fucking everyone who wasn't getting fucked like we were, <laughs> right. um, you know, and I, yeah. yes, I mean, I just you know, sort of walked around with a huge chip on my shoulder after mm -hmm. that, just sort of in, you know, poisoned with anger mm. and, you know, in grief for my family and, uh, and also just, uh, you know, how, how could this shit happen? You know, mm -hmm. how could, you know, how could somebody get a gun and like, mm -hmm. um, and how could they take our house away from us? And how could, you know, how could my father abandon us? Mm -hmm. You know, um, so that, that gave me a lot to drink about sure. for yeah. a long time. That was a lot of fuel. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. Did, did um, you have to deal with anger and sobriety? Have you? Are you an angry? I, I feel like anger is kind of a thing, man. Yeah. It's like an energy. I've had it. That's Jeff's thing. You know, I just sort of. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely an angry dude. And, uh, <laughs> I and, love it when you guys. Are, yeah. You know, and I, and I'm at peace with it. You know, I mean, there's just like there's tons of shit in the world to be angry about. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm careful not to let it control me. Hmm. And I understand that often when I'm getting angry for no reason, what it means is that I need to go out running or that I mm -hmm. need to go box, hmm. or, you know, that I, and, and that, um, if I'm still angry after that, 
then it probably means there's a real issue going on, you know, something that needs to be dealt yeah. with. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, fuck, we live in an unjust world. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, it's like, you know, there's that, you know, that old truism that's actually true, which is, you know, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I believe in the power of positive thinking and I believe in the power of positivity. And, and, you know, I think a lot of the, the bread and butter of, you know, sobriety and recovery stuff is actually true, mm-hmm. but it can't just be all fucking sunset memes and inspirational bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, you know, at, um, you know, a huge part of repairing my relationship with my father was telling him, uh, you know, you really fucked up. Yeah. You, like you really hurt me incredibly. And, and let me detail for you how and why. That's and here's why I'm, uh, you know, I, why I've been angry at you. And, um, I couldn't get to any kind of forgiveness with him without expressing what I was angry about and why I was mm-hmm. angry, you know, in the first place. Can I, can I <clears throat> ask you about that? Here, and here's why. That is literally what I'm talking with my therapist about right now, um, that step. Um, and uh, so I'm going to back up for a minute. So you went through a lot of things in that, that year. My, my sense is you must have some sort of some PS, PTSD from those um, it's, it's, it's possible. I mean, I've definitely had panic attacks and okay. shit like that. Um, I mean, is there depression, anxiety, and those sorts of things? Are those involved in? Absolutely. You? Yeah. And, and do, and do you, uh, is there therapy in your pro in, in your recovery right now? Is that fair? To uh, ask? I, I, I went to therapy for a couple of years okay. and you know, I, I'm not going currently, but okay. as soon as I get into a situation where sure. I can go with, you know, I have an ongoing relationship with my therapist and I, okay. I believe in therapy and I will go back okay. as soon as I can. And so, and so what's your recovery program? And I, I'm asking because I'm, you know, like you, somebody outside the rooms and I went through a period where I, I sort of came to it naturally early on and then I, I lapsed and I did I was not doing anything to maintain or support or progress my recovery and I became a really miserable fuck um, and uh, at the time Jeff and I were actually working together and he put him in the unenviable position of having to fire me um (laughs) because i was such a miserable fuck and uh you know it's only since then that i've sort of climbed back out and then through this effort in the past couple years um sort of been making progress again on my own recovery and coming back to who i'm supposed to be so anyway that's the long way of asking what you're what you do if there's anything specific um well, Jeff probably did more to help you by firing you True. than anyone who tried to help you. Well, and that's it was, you know that's been my experience yeah. is that I've had so many people who like tried to pay parking tickets for me or shit yeah. like that. And what really <laughs> helped me is when people tried to destroy me. What's because it? Then I, had, <laughs> <laughs> I, had I knew it. Weird, I knew you were weird, trying to destroy me. <laughs> it's a weird dramatic way right. of putting it, but when you know when people really just you yeah. know attacked me or um, or turned their backs on me then I was like, Oh fuck, you know, I got to make some changes. Mm -hmm. Um, let me, I'm going to answer your question about my program, but you brought something up. It's sort of in my head that, um, that I want to touch on before I forget. Please. Um, and, and hopefully this will, you know, be helpful for you guys Mm -hmm. and for your listeners. You know, one of the things that, uh, that comes up so much and so often in sobriety and recovery is the subject of forgiveness Mm -hmm. and, um, seeking forgiveness for ourselves and forgiving others. And I was incredibly resistant. And I don't, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, I don't think everybody deserves forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't fetishize it. 
Um, I think I think more is definitely better than less. But I don't think you I, I think it's unhealthy to think you'll ever get to a point in the universe where you're square with everybody and everybody's square with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and sort of where, you know, my experience where I come from, you know, if somebody screws you over, like, no, you fucking remember that forever. <laughs> so that they don't do it again. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I had no intention of ever forgiving my father. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to have a relationship with mm-hmm. him, but forgiveness was, you know, wasn't on my agenda. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was talking to a therapist about it and I was really struggling with it. And, uh, you know, what I said to her is I was like, well, I, you know, I've, I've signed this book deal based on the premise that I've forgiven my father mm. and I haven't. Um, and it's too late for me to just give the money back and like, fucking throw the whole project away and as a writer the only thing that i have is my honesty you mm-hmm. know so I'm, I'm just i'm trapped here and you know then we, we sort of talked about um you know my father and and you know him sort of abandoning our family when i was 15 and um and she said fuck it don't don't forgive him mm. and uh and i said really and then she leaned in and conspiratorially said the Jews will never forgive Hitler, which made wow. me crack. Yeah, which, <laughs> right. which, yeah, which made me crack up because I was like, "Well, that, maybe that wasn't necessary." <laughs> but, Too soon. Yeah. But it totally was yeah. because I walked out of that session feeling that I had been, been finally given permission yeah. to ne- to never forgive my father. Hmm. And, and so I felt, I was like, great, you know, like this pressure is lifted. I, yeah. I, I no longer have everyone in the world bearing down on me to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I thought, my dad isn't Hitler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can you know, prove this. Yes. He, I, he I made, can. He, he yeah. made some mistakes mm-hmm. and he did some shitty things. Yeah. But he's not unforgivable the mm-hmm. way that Hitler is. Right. <laughs> And, um, and it's like, because I'm, you know, I'm a hard headed guy and with, and when I was feeling that everyone in the universe was pushing against me to forgive him, then finally, when my therapist said, no, you don't have to, that's when forgiving him became an option. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Like it's, it's just such inner rebel. It's like a fuck you to everyone. I'm not doing what anyone else wants me to. And then once that's taken off the table, you're like totally rethink it like uh, yeah yeah it's all so right that gives you probably a little too much insight into how my head works <laughs> no i mean we're I, all I, there I, I mean i certainly appreciate it. um it, God, that's great uh, i find uh did you tell your father this did you guys like have this moment um no i the way that the way that the like me forgiving my father happened was that uh i was writing and i sort of like went searching poking around in the dusty old cupboard of my soul uh trying to find the anger and the resentment that i had for him Mm. and it just wasn't there i just couldn't find it wow i i sort of forgave him against my will that's interesting you know Uh i just i you know i i learned so much about his life you know i mean i um i broke into his filing cabinet and found documents uh, where he, you know, had written about being molested as a mm. child by his, mm. by his mother yeah. until he was fourteen. Wow! And 
So uh, learning, about, you know, and he was a poor, for, you know, farm boy, from, sure. you know, Saskatchewan and, you know, learning about his life and reading about his life. I was like, oh, fuck, man. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't come from different times. We come from different worlds. Right. And and if I don't understand you, then that's why, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I just I, I got to know it's like I got to know him so well, not just as my dad, but but, but as, you know, a, a man mm. and then a young man and then a boy and then a child who mm. had been b- betrayed by the one person who yeah. was charged with looking out for him. Wow. Um that, that goes a long way, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. to forgiving someone, you know, I mean, I, he never got a chance to be a kid. Um, do you have a relationship? I mean, are you guys have a great relationship now or a good one? Yeah. My, 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 yeah. my dad rules. That's you know, awesome. I, awesome. I love my dad and yeah. my dad loves me. You know, I mean, we, um, we, we really enjoy each other's company and, uh, you know, I mean, we, we fucking had a lot of shit to work through and a lot of um you know and he's you know he's my father he still does stuff to piss me off or to bum me out and like i do things that rub him the wrong way i mean you know we we can't talk about politics or catholicism or you know there's a lot of things we we can't talk about but we can talk about classic rock (laughs) you know uh, tube amplifiers and you know fishing and and so that's the stuff that we talked about you know that we talk about we choose to have a relationship we choose to love each other we choose to have a respectful relationship and um you know we choose to avoid uh, you know certain subjects in order to to stay friends you know that's cool um to uh to answer your question about my program um i uh it's amorphous. Yeah. You know, I, I have a couple of sort of guidelines that, um, you know, that I try to remind myself of all the time. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, that I keep coming back to is, uh, it won't make it better. It will make it worse. Mm. Any, any situation in my life, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you know, right now I'm sick and I'm jet lagged. Mm-hmm. Right. It sure would be nice to drink a, you know, a pint glass of Jameson and fall asleep. And when I wake up from that, I'm going to feel fucking horrible, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, or, you know, to, to be having a panic attack, like, mm-hmm. oh, it'd be great to like have a drink and quell this, right. um, you know, but that's, it just engenders more panic attacks yeah. down the line. You know, there's, there's nothing that alcohol will fix in the moment that it's not, that's not, that it's not going to make 10 times worse yeah. an, an hour from now, a day from now, a week from now. Um, you know, I try to, I try to be ruthlessly honest with myself. I mm-hmm. try to, um, you know, I mean, I being, I can't speak highly enough about being sober in the public sphere. Yeah. Um, because you know, I, uh, I was driving into, uh, I was driving into LA, um, in December and I was having a hard time and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to drink in like, in like four months from now, I'm just going to fucking start drinking again. Uh, If hmm. I still feel this way, I'm going to start drinking. Interesting. Yeah. And so it wasn't uh, right then you knew, you knew like, okay, give it four months, but this is a shitty feeling. If, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I was like, I, I can't remember the last time I had fun, like where wow. I just, you know, felt pleasure. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, the, the first thing I did was, uh, you know, I did a podcast with rich roll who, you know, I would mm. take a bullet, mm-hmm. I would take a bullet for him. I love that guy. Yeah. And so we talked about it on the podcast. That's know? awesome. And, um, <clears throat> 
I could have kept that a secret for four months mm-hmm. and then followed through on it. But instead, because I spoke about it and because I spoke about it with somebody I love and somebody I trust mm-hmm. and also just sort of offered it up to the world, you know, I was able to to hear those words coming out of my mouth and be like, that is the fucking stupidest thing. Ever <laughs> right. Said. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, a month later I was down in Mexico with my uncle and we were walking along the beach and I was like, I'm smiling so hard. Mm. My face hurts. And it's just because we're two huge men walking two little dogs and it looks ridiculous, <laughs> but this is, but this is a good time. This is yeah. fun, man. Yeah. I'm having fun, you know? Yeah. And, I- uh, that's funny. Just, what what led you up to like why were you feeling that way, where you couldn't remember the having fun? And it's funny because I I you get that it's like yeah. it's not true, but for some reason like it it feels true. Well, I you know I was looking, Crazy. I was I think I was recalling, um, you know, like my twenties, mm-hmm. um, and thinking about you know like playing in the band and you roll in at five o'clock and like you know fucking yeah. eat a hot dog and. Uh, get your drink tickets for the night and just, you know, you know, then you're going to, you find the bar stool you're going to sit at for the next six hours until the band plays, you know, and just, you know, drinking sort of shitty beer after Mm -hmm. shitty beer and hanging out with your friends. And then you find the person who's going to get you Coke and like, you know, and I I would just remember that whole process and like, oh man, that was so fun, you know? And, um, but I had to, uh, you know, and and just wild, stupid times, you know, falling down the fucking staircase or like going out house parties or you know, burning a couch in the street or all the stupid shit we used to do, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and then I was, I was thinking about, and then I just, I was like, no, just keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. And I realized that like, um, you know, I don't want a bottle of vodka. I I want a time machine. Yeah. You know, the, the greatest drug is not alcohol. It's being 22 with your friends, you know? And that's a terrific point. Yeah. you know, and I did 22 for fucking 10 years, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. I was that idiot for a long time. I really milked it. Right. I got everything out of it that I could. <laughs> and also, you know, I mean, I, uh, I still get a lot of that now, um, you know, in my sober life you right. know, as, um, as a 39 year old, I'm proud to say that I, I still have a lot of immature fun, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, well, um, the, the rule of thumb is that you stop emotionally maturing when your addiction takes hold, right? So it's like you have catching up to do. So you're probably not quite out of your 20s or something, right? <laughs> I, I, and I hope to never. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, think, I think maturity is overrated. But so do I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have so many friends who are like, oh, you know, you just need to, you just need to settle down. Mm. And like, I, you know, I see, this, this sounds really judgy, but I'll be honest about it. And I see them with their, you know, with their house and their car and their, you know, wife and kids and swimming pool. And it's like, you know, that it's like that old Bukowski line, you know, you're, you're just a bird in a cage with golden bars. You know, you've just, mm-hmm. you've built, you've built your own prison. Yeah. And, um, I, I'm, I'm fine with, um, I'm happy to be responsible. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to love my family and my friends. You know, I'm happy to to take care of the people around me and to let myself be taken care of by those people that I love. Um, but this whole settling down bullshit—not <laughs> I I for you. Um, yeah, well, there's 
it's part of it is the word settle, right? Which also means when yeah. you want one thing that you can't have and you accept another. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the settling thing. Yeah. yeah. Reframe that, I guess. Well, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. I'm like, it took me a while to get there, and I certainly don't don't feel like I settled. And just just a caveat for for the, those of us that that don't, do have wives and children, but um. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an older father. I got to be 40 and my wife wanted a child. And I was abs- I, up until, literally up until the moment my wife told me she was pregnant, I was certain I had no interest in cho- uh, having a child. Um, mm-hmm. And th- I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Um, but I, I just, I was certain that um, I was too selfish, that there are things, you know, I wanted to do that had nothing to do with a child in my life. Um and I, and I will say this, and this is just my, my personal perspective, is literally the moment she told me she was pregnant, it's, you know, my daughter is like all, you know, the, the tops every concern of mine. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a transition and it's, um, and it's. A, well, I, I think, I think the only thing that I buck against yeah. is, the, is the framing. You exactly. Know, because um, yeah. my, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, um, yeah. my brother-in-law and my sister, they have four kids and, uh. Bill loves being married. He loves being a father. Nothing makes him happier than like, you know, barbecuing for his, for his family and, you know, sitting around with them and watching some terrible movie and getting Mm. crumbs all over the carpet, you know? And, but the way that it's, I think the way that it's always presented to us Mm. is, um, you know, once you get, you know, once you get a Super Nintendo, then you will be happy. Right. Once you get, you know, this car, then you will be right. happy. Once you get a wife and children, mm-hmm. then you, you will be happy. And the truth is, the only thing that makes you happy is happiness. Right. You have to be happy and, in and, yourself. And, and there are <laughs> so many different paths to happiness. Exactly. You know, my, uh, right. you know, and and I know, you know, so many stories like yours. You know, my friend, uh, you know, Jason, you know, really didn't want to have kids. Mm. Now he and his wife have two boys, yeah. and he's ch- chafing for them to have another child because he's like, well, we have two boys. I don't know what it's like to watch a little girl grow up. I want to <laughs> see what it's like in through her eyes. So right. We got to keep going until the in, until we get a girl. Yeah. And his wife is like, "Are you crazy? No, we're done." Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, I, and 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 also, I mean, I love my sister's kids. You yeah. know, so much. I uh, uh, the oldest is named after me, oh, and I uh, I rolled out of my camper. That's uh, amazing. The other morning before I left, <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, I'd gotten in late, so it was like 11 when I rolled out and probably didn't look great. And I looked at my nephew, and he looked at me, and he said, well, 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 if it isn't our mangy old transient uncle. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's beautiful. And I was like, I love you so much, you little shit. (laughs) Our mangy old transient uncle. That's beautiful. uh, So running and boxing, We we were talking uh that when you get sober right when you when you clean up you really like want to get in shape want to change your life there's there's this huge fire to really do things you're a runner you're a boxer what else did you get into all those things like had you done those when you were drinking or did is this just like you got into it i um i had never run before in my life there you go um really i just i thought running was just a terrible thing that you did to escape the cops and uh <laughs> the any it's- boxing that i had done was over pretty quickly as soon as people separated me and the other guy was involuntary. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And, um, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was, that was definitely true for me, you know, that like now that alcohol is out of my life, I'm going to try and get into shape. But then yeah. I've also, um, you know, come to listen that, you know, as, as much as we want to understand humanity as uh, totally separate and removed from uh, the rest of the mammals in the world, we're fucking animals, mm. you know, and <laughs> you take your dog out running every day, you'll have a happy, healthy dog. Yeah. If your dog sits on the couch every day, it's going to be cranky. It's going to be, it's going to sleep too much and not enough. It's, it's, um, it's going to be unhealthy, you know, and, um, exercise you know, sober or not, you know, I mean, obesity kills more people in this country than any kind of addiction does. Yeah. Um, everybody needs to be exercising. Yeah. And I've found that, um, this is funny when I was writing the book, you know, I found that, you know, running was a really useful way to, to manage my anxiety, but that I couldn't box before I was going to write because boxing chilled me out so much Interesting. that I would be like, ah, fuck it. I can write tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And I'm sure boxing has got to be a physical work. I've never done it. Mm -hmm. I've always admired, like, it just sounds super cool. It sounds something like that. If you have a lot of anger, you get to go just beat something has it did you find all that or is it more disciplined than that or is it what's just oh awesome boxing high? boxing boxing is the best is it um it um yeah it seems like it the you know i uh when i started getting into boxing and kickboxing and sort of contact sports i was talking to my sister about it and i was like you really need to do martial arts like you know you would love it and she was like mishka you know i'm a mom of you know i spend my time taking care of my four kids you know and i was like yeah you need to beat the, beat the shit out of something. Right? <laughs> and she was like, all right, well, I'll try it. You know, and now when I, she came to visit me in She's New York before I left. Oh yeah. I was training her in the park and like the other people were like, yo, who's your fighter? I was like, that's hilarious. That's, that's my sister. She's 40. <laughs> like, but she, she is a killer now. She's a killer in her martial arts class. They have this, you know, this big, uh, um, like kicking bag. And they were trying to see, you know, a competition to see who could kick it over. Mm. And in her class of whatever, 12 people, there were uh, three people who could knock it over. And it was her, her husband, and one one other guy. Yeah, that's you awesome. Know, she's, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is that, listen, we, we live in this polite society where the, the, the price of admission is that, like, you'll never show a genuine emotion. Which, yeah. you know, we were talking about like those beer cries before, like mm -hmm. if I was just weeping on the street, mm -hmm. yeah. which, which I do occasionally, mm -hmm. it would, it just freaks people out. You know, the same thing if you're screaming at somebody on the yeah. street or if you were like skipping and dancing down the street, that would freak people out too. Like, it's like we sort of make this tacit agreement to keep that all in check. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, or to, you know. Um, you know, feel the anger and then release it. Well, it's not that quick and it's not that easy. You know, I mean, from some guy cutting you off in traffic to, you know, memories of, you know, getting beaten up every day, you know, during fifth grade or something or watching your dad beat up your mom when you were a kid. You know, I mean, these are these are huge burdens that we carry that can sort of poison us with anger for the duration of our lives. I think it's a, an incredibly valuable experience to um, say, I'm going to, I'm going to sit in that anger. I'm going to let myself feel yeah. all of it. 
I'm going to let myself get as angry as I can. I'm just, and, and, and you just burn through it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, um, hmm. you know, how long does it take, you know, uh, your average sober alcoholic man child to get over a failed relationship? Like what? <laughs> 18 months yeah, to easy. 18 years, yeah, you know, easy. I, um, I, uh, I went out and did a 50 mile run and by the end of it, I was okay. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I had dealt with it. Yeah. I, I was just like, I'm going to obsess about this all day. I'm going to, I'm going to be as angry as I need to be as sad as I need to be. Mm. And just like, just deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was running with sunglasses so I could like cry. Yeah. People yeah. wouldn't notice. Yeah. And, uh, and by the, by the end of the day, I was done with it. You know, I had just, I'd like processed all the emotion. Mate, hmm. that, um, if you, if you figured that out, you can sell that to a bunch yeah. of bad childs. You're going to, you're going to waste your next year sitting in pain and misery of hmm. your last relationship, or you could run 50 miles, yeah. get it out. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always careful to preface these things by saying, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist because <laughs> I, I know so many people who just spread so much bad information yes. about sobriety and recovery right. people who have no no qualify you know people who are like oh you know oh you're a dry drunk well it's like well you work at dunkin donuts is that <laughs> is, is that an assessment that you're qualified to make <laughs> um <laughs> so but i but these are things that have worked for me yeah, yeah. you know yeah that's awesome um that's awesome. Not to disparage anyone. No, exactly. And I was going to say, Time, times are hard. There is coffee. Are delicious. They I was going to say, they're a sponsor, Mishka. That's Thanks. right. You need <laughs> some sugar when you get sober, man. Um, yeah. uh, well, awesome. shit, Mishka, that that was terrific. That was um, you know, jet lagged, sick. Um, we'll have to have you back on when you're uh, in the states and well, yeah. because that was that was awesome. That was a, a wonderful um, talk. Thanks uh, for oh, joining us. Th thanks, man. Th thank you guys for for fostering conversation yeah. like this. I mean, I think that it's I, I care deeply about not just about my sobriety, but sure. about everybody's sobriety. And yeah. I, I just, you know, I think we all want everybody to be okay. And I think that one of the ways to advance that goal is just to talk about all this shit. Exactly. Man. Well, and yeah, and to, yeah, exactly. To, to, to those that can um, talk openly and uh, about it, I think should. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to, to support. And with, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And I think, you know, going into our third year, two of the op operating sort of ideas behind what, what we're doing are, are one's keep recovery creative and the other is keep recovery weird, which I think you touched on both of those things is that it, it's not, some you know hushed quiet yeah. safe thing just because you're sober yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i and, i absolutely i think it's invaluable to um you know one of the definitions of sober is um you know is serious right and uh that's that's not a type of sober that i ever aspire to be yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about my commitment to never drinking alcohol and I'm right. serious about my commitment to health and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, I have a deep investment in dick jokes, you know, <laughs> and like, um, what are you going to do? And, and laughs with right. my friends yeah. and you know what I mean? And, and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a huge part of our lives and that's a huge part of, um, of recovery and being a human being and engaging mm -hmm. in the world again is to be able to experience joy and happiness and, um, you know, and, and pulling a good prank over yeah. on somebody so, you care about. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Keep, yeah. And um, I, I love, it's like, keep being brutally honest. It just feels right. like no matter what 
what kind of recovery you have, it, there's got to be some, there's, that's, that's it, part of it, you know? So, and, you, yeah, and you've nailed absolutely. it, and I love it. So. And, uh, and so uh, what, you're on tour for your album, but you're also, you're, are you doing a book tour in conjunction with that, or? I'm, I'm sort of doing everything at once All right at now. once, okay. Um, yeah, so I've been doing um, I've been doing promotional events for the book. I've been playing um, you know playing shows. I'm falling into doing more and more sort of comedy stuff. Really, okay. which I don't know if that's something I'm going to uh, wow. embrace or fight against. But um, I hope to be doing the Moth again later this year. I'll be on tour in the UK until uh, May 29th, and then I'll be teaching at Yale for three weeks, oh, uh, teaching a couple writing courses. Fantastic then i will probably be recording uh down uh, i'll be going to visit doug stanhope and recording stuff for a new record at his compound in uh, arizona that's awesome and then i'm, I'm going to be doing stuff on warp tour um no shit which is awesome. yeah so uh wow. so i'm really just trying to do everything this year you know wow all right well um and I'm sure you'll stay healthy through all that. And hey, uh, do us a favor. We're all uh, St. Louis transplants, but we're here in St. Louis. If you do make it uh, here or near uh, with either of those, any of those efforts, let us know. Um, and we'll uh, be sure to come say hi. Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Great to talk to you guys. All Take right. care. See ya. Right. Bye-bye. you like to hear yo my name is earl can i speak to one of the dynamic three okay hold on i really appreciate you having the adult child of an alcoholic on that's that's really important i wish you had more of those uh, talking about how they deal with that uh, especially when your parent has passed and i also just want to say you know the podcast where you talk about not just, you know, addiction, but, you know, coping with life after addiction or in a family of addiction, you know, things that are useful that kind of go beyond the 12-step meeting. Uh, although, you know, everything is 12-step stuff uh, would be great. Appreciate it. Bye. Hey, so our first, uh, our first caller, our first message um, on our number, 506-557-7271, um, and uh, I greatly appreciate it. I, I appreciate the comments. Uh, as regards to adult children of alcoholics, um, <laughs> part of me was just now wondering after, especially after talking to um, Mishka, although his were grandparents, but, um, you know, are, are we all <laughs> adult children of alcoholics listening to this and, and putting this on? I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it. Um, it seems like uh, you can't throw a rock in an AA meeting and maybe not hit an adult child of an alcoholic. And that's not to say um, it won't be something we discuss more. I'd certainly be interested uh, in, in the same things that, that uh, you're, you're talking about, um, how one processes their own um, addiction or lack thereof um, in light of, you know, in the context of their 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 parents, quite frankly, their parent. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, we'll definitely keep that in mind going forward with bookings and 
uh, I know, you know, uh, at some point we, um, we're, we're going to have Matt's parents on who are both in recovery. They both, I think, are in, have a, a longer sustained abstinent sobriety and participation in AA than, than Matt. So uh, it it'll, would be interesting to um, have them on as a sort of family unit to, to discuss all those issues that, as they pertain to the ACOA. Um, that's, that is assuming we agree that Matt's an adult. Um, and then the second part of that, you're talking about, I think, practical insights and practical advice. And one of the things about this podcast that I've always hoped was clear, I think I was more explicit in the beginning, you know, we're just three goofy dudes sitting around talking about our recovery and then inviting other people to come in and talk about theirs. And so I don't know that, I don't know that we'll ever be the show that explicitly says, here are tips for living um, a life in recovery, only because I I just, um, I I don't know, I, I don't think I could presume to offer uh, explicitly offer anything I know as a tip for you to live your life. Um, and uh, I know tip sort of is, is diminishing what, what you're talking about. But, um, you know, by the same token, you know, there's there's a guy that hangs around here called Anti-Guru, uh, who you may have heard of, that just uh, can't fathom the notion of um, holding any one individual's philosophy up as a philosophy to live somebody else's life. Does that make sense? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think any any insights in, in how, to, how to live, um, you'll sort of, ha- you may have to distill them um, from, you know, the pods on your own, sort of. Uh, and I don't mean that, I don't mean that at all. If it's, I feel like it's coming off sounding dickish, and I, I certainly don't intend that. Um, I just don't think I'll ever know how to say, hey, here's some advice for you. I'm going to tell you something that I know for sure because I don't know that I ever feel like I know anything for sure. Um, so, you know, I, <laughs> I hope that helps. I feel like all of that might discourage people from actually wanting to call because you're just never going to get a straight answer, I don't think. But certainly um, what what will happen is it'll prompt discussion, it'll prompt you know, when nobody else is in the room, if Jeff and Matt somehow aren't here, uh, for whatever reason, it'll prompt me rambling on for uh, a couple minutes. But, uh, yeah, so I hope some of that's useful. I'm going to, you know, make sure that I, I pay attention to, again to what you said and, um, you know, think about that in terms of booking people because you know, we'll certainly have people on that, that might be more willing to uh, bring some legit recovery philosophy to the table and uh and preach all right and uh and definitely keep a look uh, keep an ear out keep an eye out uh i'm gonna get back on working i know they're they're up for it but um we just have to make it happen get matt's parents on here or at least one of them i know his mom's eager to do it so it's just a matter of scheduling all right and thank you so much for your call i hope uh others take the chance 507-556-7271 all right bye